Hello, this is Yarrow, and you're listening to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today's guest is Joel Brown. Hello, this is Yarrow Stark, and welcome to an Entrepreneur's Journey interview. Today on the line, I have the pleasure of a fellow Australian coming from Perth. His name is Joel Brown, and he was recently introduced to me. And Joel runs the Addicted to Success uh, personal development blog, which has been only been going for about three years and is already earning over a hundred thousand a year. And he's been offered as much as a million dollars to sell the blog. So I thought Joel, for so many reasons, being an Australian, having a, a quick, successful blog, we had to get him onto the podcast and hear this background story. So Joel, thank you for joining me. Yaro, thanks a million for having me here, man. I really, really appreciate it. Awesome. So, uh, so much to find out, Joel, but as I always do with these podcasts, I'd like to learn a little bit about what you did before you started the blog. So, um, you, you don't sound like an old man, for starters. <laughs> so, how old are you? That's, really, that's a good start. Well, I'm 27. Okay. So, uh, still young, Bob. So, you know, we're not going to have a 50-year career to talk about here, but did you go to university or anything like that? You know what? Funny story, man. Um, actually, I dropped out of high school uh, back in the day. Um, I had a strong passion for music and uh, basically uh, I got into the music industry and I, and I managed songwriters and producers and we ended up getting signed to a sub-label under Atlantic Records in America. So I moved out to America and um, lived out in Miami for a little while and uh, yeah, did the whole music industry thing and um, Long story short, I lost my passion uh, for music after a couple years. You know, I think there's this big kind of misconception that, you know, that you're only supposed to have one passion in your life, and um, it's not true. You know, like it's it's okay to to find that you know maybe it's not your calling in that certain area, and that there may be something else that's out there. You know, and there's other opportunities. So, um, yeah, I had to really dig deep into myself and to to really pull out like what. What did I really want for myself and my life, and what was going to better better uh, me in my direction? And um, ended up being yeah, personal growth, and kind of led me down the tracks of uh, starting my own uh, website, which is uh, obviously addicted to success dot com. So, okay, were you in a band as a like guitar singer? What was your thing? No, actually, I used to manage uh, songwriters and producers. So my job essentially was to shop beats like background music that my producers would make and also get songwriters in the studio to record to these beats and then I would sell the track as a whole package to record labels because uh, you know like a lot of these uh, recording artists like a lot of people think that they write their own stuff but most of the time like 90% of the time they don't write any of their own records it's all written for them by people that just like live breathe eat uh, you know writing songwriting. Wow. yeah so you were like a 16-year-old kid and you got into that? Yeah, I actually was um, – I would have been 20, 20 years old. Okay, so but you dropped out of high school to start that interest. in, in So that's when you got started with the music. Yeah, well, I, I dropped out of high school. Um, I had no interest in going to university um, and, and I was already doing pretty well. I had my own radio show actually at the age of 16. Wow. And I was on uh, primetime radio on a Thursday night. Um, when uh, everybody was driving back from late night shopping. So I had a pretty good spot there. And um, basically, I used to interview a lot of like big uh, recording artists. And I used that and platformed off that to be able to, to shop 
this music to a uh, major label recording artist. So the thing, the thing about like the way I do things is I, I'm, I like to think that I'm very resourceful. So if I'm using something, I'll try and leverage of that and move to the next level and keep platforming. I think that's pretty, pretty important. Yeah, success ladder. So how did, so you're on the radio and you're obviously well and truly inside the music industry in Perth at least and, and maybe all of Australia, right? And yep. then what happened next in terms of going to the States? Was that a, a choice you made or did an opportunity open up over there? How did that happen? Yeah, well, my, my producers that I was managing at the time, um, they were producing beats here back in, uh, in Perth and um, I was shopping their beats around. So I was, I was sending it out to a lot of managers and record producers to see if they were interested in making my producer's music part of the projects that they were working on. And there was actually a, a producer at the time. His name is uh, Jim Johnson, and he's a Grammy Award-winning producer. Um, he produces more urban records, or at the time he was producing a lot of urban records. He produced like Sweet Dreams for Beyonce, um, Kiss You Through the Phone for uh, Soldier Boy, Lollipop for Little Wayne. Uh, he's produced a lot of records. He's produced probably about 20 like big hits that are in the Billboard charts. And um, he was really interested in the music that we were putting out and uh, he decided that he wanted to sign us to a publishing deal um, and, and that his studio was out in Miami. So it was more so like if we really wanted to go 100% all in with it, we were best to leave Australia and move out there and, and be in the middle of like everything and get to actually like meet the artists face-to-face that come into the studio. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that must have been amazing for starters <laughs> already. Oh, I mean definitely it was an awesome experience for sure so you're like 20 years old you're living in miami uh it sounds like you just immersed yourself in it and then did you get a little burnt out or you just wanted to move on to something else um yeah so with me i mean everybody's experience is different in the music industry um my experience was first couple years was all like wow this is amazing this is crazy you get to meet all these awesome artists and you get to you know, go to these events and, and um, you're around like great talent and successful people all the time. But there's a point where you start to kind of measure your own self as well and you're looking at it going like, you know, okay, when am I ready to break and when am I going to get out there and, and when are my producers going to be able to do this and that. And, and a lot of it was like kind of waiting on everybody else to make decisions for us. Um, and we were like, you know, you, you have your letdowns and that's cool. That's just how it is. And, and that's like the price you pay when you're in an entertainment industry. Um, but it was a lot of it was like I wasn't I wasn't grabbing life by the reins. For me, I was kind of waiting on everybody else, and I was playing a lot of the background. And for me, I couldn't really see myself being like this bachelor, you know, thirty, forty, fifty years old, kind of living for everybody else. Um, I I always had this kind of hunger in me to to want to like run my own business, to be able to kind of live life on my own terms as well. So. I took all the experience and all the lessons and everything that I learned in the music industry at such a young age and then I moved it into my own business dealings and, and my own ventures that I, that I brought, you know, created for myself. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it was an awesome experience and I've learned so much from it um, and it's only made me better as, a, as an entrepreneur uh, nowadays. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy for that. So basically, it, it, you sort of made the decision to, to leave everything in Miami and fly back to Australia is that right and 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, you know, I had to talk to my producers and, and at first it was a bit of a shock and they were like, you know, well, are you sure? And like quite a lot of my friends back in Australia thought I was crazy uh, for making that decision. But, you know, I was only like 95% happy, 99% happy. Like I wasn't 100% happy with where I was at. And, um, yeah, and you just, I just kind of reflected on my own life and just thought, you know, I'm not, I'm not 100% there. There's something that's, that's missing. And, um, and like I was reading a lot of, you know, Tony Robbins books at the time, listening to a lot of audio and, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, T. Harvecker, things like that, you know? So, so for me, I was like getting, like I was always around that and listening to like how there's so many opportunities out there and there's, there's better ways to, to live your life and, and that as well. So for me, um, yeah, it was, it, it was something where I felt that. I could really live my life on my own terms if I went out and did it by myself instead of waiting on waiting on everyone else. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people have that sort of desire, and, and certainly if you're working for other people and you don't control what you're doing as an entrepreneur, I know that's very challenging. Did you? I can imagine you quitting and then deciding to come back to Australia. But did you have an idea of what you would do next? Because it sounds like music was your life up until that point, and. You know, okay, you're young enough to play around with what you're doing, and not, you know, it's, it's not too much of a big deal. I doubt you, you know, you're not going to have kids and and a mortgage and all these things to worry about. So you can choose careers and test things and experience things. But were you thinking I'm going to do something specific when you go up back to Australia? Yeah, look, this is really interesting. This part because as this conversation goes on, you're going to realize I had I had a pretty colorful life, right? So, so basically, what happened was. I went back to Australia. Um, I've, I've been considered to be pretty talented at like sales, right? So there was a company that I used to work for before I um, before I got into the music industry, just kind of like part time. And they heard that I was back in Perth, and they asked me to come and work for them. And I was doing sales; it was like telecommunication sales, selling like fiber optic internet connections to medium and corporate businesses. So I did that for a little while. I was doing that. Um, I. I had the opportunity to meet um, Jordan Belfort, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, and um, the the company I was working for, a sales company, they actually organized a workshop uh, a couple months into me being there, and, and I actually had the chance to meet Jordan Belfort face to face, and I got to talking with him. Um, you know, congratulated him on his success um, that he's achieved so far, and, and how he's turned his life around. And um, he got to talking with me, and he's asking me, you know, do you have goals? And I said, well, no, I don't, I don't really have any kind of solid goals. And he said, great, that's, that's fine. And I said, what do you mean? You know, like someone successful like him, I thought that he would have big goals himself. He said, look, goals are good for small-term achievements, but you really want to have a vision. You want to have a big vision for success. And if you're already thinking big, you need to think bigger. And he went through the steps of like, you know, writing down like what you really want to achieve, like working out your why and you know, working out day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, how are you going to get to that big vision that's there that you that you created for yourself? And it was it was cool because like I, you know, in school, in high school, like I was always taught like you know, write down your goals and this and that. But if you're not hitting your goals, then they become less and less effective. So creating a vision and having something that you wake up every day for, like a big strong why and what you want to achieve it made more sense to me to think that way, just think a lot bigger, you know? So, yeah, so I, I got to talking with him and said, you know, like I'm interested in self-development and this and that, and we kind of dug a bit deeper and deeper and deeper, and then I found that 
you know, I'm good on, I was good online. Like I understood computers and I was pretty cluey on like working things out. So I decided to start a website, right? And initially, initially it was just for me to be able to, like if I found any good self-development information that I would just put it up on there, kind of like a bookmark to bookmark it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then it got to the point where like I put, I would do it like every couple of days I put something up and then I put a share bar on there and I had people at my work that saw it and they were like, wow, this is, a, this is awesome content. And they would share it with their friends and it started to grow and grow. And then I got stuck into this idea of like thinking that, you know, like, oh, I could get really rich off this, you know, and I looked up like John Chow and, um, you know, Pete Cashmore that done really well with Mashable.com and like really looked up to these guys and I was kind of, my motivation was I was kind of in it for the wrong wrong reason. Like I was really focused on the money to begin with, you know, I'm honest about that with everyone that I really just like, I was, my motivation was the money. And I think this is the thing, like money, money seems to be like the, the elephant in the room. It seems to be this thing that people kind of tiptoe around that they kind of say like, Oh, I'm doing it because I want to help people. And, um, I'm just doing it cause of my passion. And I think it's okay to say that you're doing it for the money. Um, but not for the, not for your whole life. Like you don't want to be fixed on it for your whole life. It's okay to kind of get you ahead. But then when things get bigger, you start to realize that it's not just about you or just about the money that it actually affects other people in the world as well. And especially online. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so that's really, um, that's really how addicted to success came about. So it was basically a bookmark, a bunch of bookmarks to start with. And then you followed a couple of bloggers and thought you could start a blog extending on the bookmarks that you were already collecting. And I'm assuming when you say bookmarks, these are just inspirational what articles or even just quotes from people? Um, yeah, it would be like a collection of quotes. It would be putting up like a YouTube video and just writing like a quick little um, intro on the video. Um, it would be, you know, like articles that, I, that I've seen elsewhere and I've kind of put my own little twist to it. Mm. Um, and that's when I was kind of ignorant, didn't really understand um, about like SEO and things like that and that like it's better to create your own original articles. Um, that came when, when I started to really look at my website as a business and I started to really take it seriously. I'd be, I'd be curious to hear about yeah, this next step because going into blogging, especially about personal development, which is a fairly uh, well-serviced market already. And I know, for example, like Upworthy, uh, gets a crazy amount of traffic, and then they mostly just share like what you're talking about, you know, videos and, and things like mostly videos, really. And it's a crowded space, so to be able to actually stand out from the crowd and, and get traffic on at that level too, like a, a very top level subject of personal development, is difficult. So I'm kind of curious to hear how you were able to, you know, differentiate yourself and get this audience going. So could you take us through the, I guess, the building of the blog phase? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So when I first started Addicted to Success, a lot of it was driven by like um, talking more about wealth. Um, a lot of it was about millionaires and people that have made millions of dollars or billions of dollars because that's where my head was at at the time. And you could even see like my first lot of posts, it is like that and it kind of starts to go into this gradual process of where it starts to become more about um, sharing more knowledge about personal growth and also starts to go into like life and life advice and um, like solving more problems that people have more than just kind of showing off the glitz and the glamour of um, becoming successful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I get I get this 
oh, I used to get this quite a bit where people would say, oh, addicted to success. Like that's not a good thing to be addicted to success. And the way I see it is like it's, it's subjective, right? Like everybody's definition of success is different. Like what your definition of success might be different to mine. Like for me, it's like to live your life as comfortable as you can with like the least amount of pain and as much pleasure as you can and to be able to share that with others. Whereas like somebody else might be like to have a million dollars or to live in a mansion or to travel the world. So it's just, it's become this thing where I've started to look a lot more into my community and a lot more into like what my brand really stands for and then develop it off that. And I think that's important to really look at, look at that and be self-aware of like what you're offering people and even looking at your emails that you get through asking people for feedback because sometimes people see you or your company, your brand differently to how you see what you're putting out yourself. And it's good to kind of bounce off that sometimes and, and, and see, you know, how you can evolve and adapt um, with your community. Do, do you mind if we go a little bit technical? Because I know a lot of listeners like knowing the how-to, I guess. So yeah, yeah, did yeah. you install WordPress? You, you came up with this domain name, Addicted to Success. Like you said, you were writing posts on money to begin with and you sort of moved closer to personal development and success subjects. Were you blogging once a day? Where were you getting the content from? How long were your articles? All these sorts of you know, getting started subjects people love hearing about. Yeah, well, originally, um, originally, because I was just kind of getting into it and I didn't have much content, there seemed to be just so much out there that I could share. So I was at one point, I think I was doing like two or three articles a day, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty crazy because nowadays I don't even do two or three articles a day. Um, but somewhere kind of in between, I started to focus more on quality content. And also, like if it took me a couple days to put an article together, that's okay. That it doesn't mean I have to pump one out every single day. Um, it's better to you know create an article where it has like a good picture that goes with it and it has a lot of good content and it references to a lot of um, useful information and maybe even if it has an infographic or a video that relates to it. Like I really work on that now. I really make sure that it's a really juicy article, that I beef the article up. Um, WordPress is like an industry standard or from my understanding it is. Like when I was looking for a platform to, to put a blog out on, um, everyone was saying, you know, WordPress. So I jumped on WordPress and originally I actually tried to register the domain name addictedtosuccess.com and um, it was already taken. And I was a little bit cut about it and I was looking at some other domain names and then I just thought, you know, well, why not Why not just do addicted with the digit two success.com? I actually thought it was a little bit corny. But a lot of other domain names that I wanted were already registered. As you'd know, it's really hard to register domain names now because everybody just like buys them and tries to resell them. So I set up Addicted2 with the digit2success.com and away I went. And it would have been probably about a year in. I actually found the details of the guy that owned um, AddictedTOsuccess.com and I contacted him. And he was um, charging like thousands and thousands of dollars to sell AddictedTOsuccess.com. Um, long story short, two years in, I ended up contacting him again and paying him, I think it was around about three and a half to four thousand dollars for addictedtosuccess.com. Because I got sick and tired of telling people like, oh, go to my website, addicted to success, and they come back to me and go, Oh, it doesn't work. Mm. So I'm putting that in and it was just like a blank page. 
So I saw that as an investment to, to pay for that and, and, and own it and then just redirect it to addicted, uh, the digit to success.com. Okay. And it sounds like you were the only writer to begin with as well. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was the only writer for probably a good, good solid, um, year. And then, um, and then it started to attract like a lot of attention online, especially through the social media channels and people wanted to start to become part of, uh, part of the community and part of uh, part of the brand so mm. yeah how, how did it before i before you jump into that you know sort of rapid growth phase i the first year is often the hardest because you don't know whether it's working whether you'll ever make money did you get results straight away like was there an audience coming straight away um there, there wasn't an audience coming straight away like a good day for me in the beginning was like two thousand people a day i thought that was insane and I could could have never imagined getting, you know, three million a month or anything like that, like I do now. Um, Two thousand people a day was like really cool, and that that really like motivated me and and put that drive in me to want to just keep building the site, um, keep creating, which is cool. I kind of appreciate the old days, man. When like to think back about it, you know, and then you get to a point. I think you get to a certain point where you you can get so fixed on the numbers that you forget that like. Even to reach 10,000 people is crazy. Even to reach 20,000 people is a crazy amount of people. Well, that's exactly right. Like I was going to say most bloggers will never even reach the 2,000 a day level. Uh, so what, do you, what was the difference for you, do you think, um, Joel? Is it like just social media really kicked you off, like sharing a lot of stuff on Facebook and Twitter? Because you start from scratch, right? You had no existing following on any social platform or any blog platform, right? That's right, yeah. Um, I think I think the biggest thing was um, I position myself really well on Twitter, and I think a lot of people try and they spread themselves too thin, right? So they try and get on every single channel. And look, it's good to be on every channel. You know, if somebody asks me like, "What social media channel should I be on?" I tell them all of them, like every single one, because there's eyeballs in different areas depending on like different kind of audiences and crowds and different social media platforms. But it's it's better to focus on one to begin with and really ace that. Make sure it's a really finally run our channel and use that and then move to the next one and then the next one and the next one until you've got like a, a number of social media platforms that are all like set up properly they've got good profile picture they've got um good detail they've got a good following and they kind of start to work on their own um with um with twitter i i kind of got in a little bit early so i got in i was listening to a lot of gary vaynerchuk's um advice back in the day and Gary was really on like the whole Twitter thing. He was, he, and I know that he's a cutting edge type of guy. He's always on the curve. He knows kind of like what's coming up next. He's a smart dude, right? So I listened to his advice and I jumped on Twitter and I think celebrities and that started to get on Twitter around that time. And um, I was putting out like a lot of inspirational material and I was getting people like, you know, Diddy and... Um, the Rock, um, Dwayne Johnson, and a bunch of other people were like were seeing my posts and sharing it to their followers. How? Uh, well, they would see, they would follow me because um, there weren't a lot of people at that time that were putting that had inspirational uh, Twitter accounts. So they they would see it, or someone would retweet it, or maybe like if I created this happened a couple of times with The Rock, where I would create like a picture quote with like The Rock, a picture of him, and put like something that he said, like maybe one of his tweets that did really well. And then he would see that and he would retweet that out and he'd shout out like addicted to success.com. And I noticed like a little bit of a traffic spike. 
um, here and there when he did that. Mm, so very clever. You, you basically targeted a specific Twitter user using their photo, and more likely they're, they're going to retweet. I know I would retweet someone who put a picture of me with one of my quotes. So, you know, that's a great tactic. Well, this is the thing. It wasn't intentional at the, at the beginning, right? Like I just created the picture quote and put it up on an article that was about Dwayne Johnson and um, it caught his eye or somebody reshared it and it caught his eye and he obviously checked out the website. Because um, some of these celebrities actually do check, like they, they're on their own account. Some aren't. They're like, they have their own PR or whoever like running their assistant, running their, their social media channels. Uh, but some of them, if you, can, if you can do that, like why not, right? Like use it, re- be resourceful with, uh, with your social media channels and reach out to these people and um, get them to share your content because that's really going to help. That's reaching like millions of people. Mm-hmm. Right? Now I'm curious, I get a lot of people come to me and they'll say they have something like what you just talked about, an event that triggers a spike of traffic, but then it disappears. It's sort of, you know, you might get a few hundred, even a thousand visitors from one tweet from The Rock, but then they're gone. You know, they only come and check out that one article and leave. How did you sort of turn these little moments into a sustained growth? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. Um, what I tell a lot of people is, you know, don't go for like the one night stands. Um, I used to really be fixed on, you know, the, the big traffic and trying to get those big spikes. And they're okay. They're cool. You might get a, a handful of people um, from there and, and increase your following slightly. But um, the people that you really want to attract is you want to you want to be going into your target audience. So it's more effective for you to try and let's say like guest blog on websites that are like not so much in competition with you, but are, are aligned with very similar like values, very similar information, um, so that you're pulling in like-minded people into your community. Because a lot of it is about community. Like most of Let's say like a good 50 or 60% of my traffic is like return visitors. They're people that come back to my site like very often and they're the people that you want. You want them back in your community. They're the people that are going to buy from you if you put a product out. They're the people that are going to share your articles when you put it out and they like it, your articles like that. They're the people that you really want in your community and on your website. You don't want like some say like some little kind of like teeny bopper that thinks like one little picture quote thing is cool but they're never going to come back again because – like you want them, yes, but they're not the ones that are going to like really get your information out there or really grab it and embrace it and make a change in their life or share it with their community. So, yeah, don't go for the one-night stands. Really focus on building your community. All right. Can you take us then forward? It sounds like you combined Twitter with some consistent quality information, quotes, articles, and then – you expanded to other social platforms and it was working. Obviously, you're, you're watching a traffic increase. People are sharing your content. You're building this community, so they're coming back. You must be starting to think about, how am I going to make money from this at that stage? Did you start monetizing in that first year? Uh, yeah, uh, after probably around about nine months. Uh, actually, probably just before a year. So we've been about 10 months in. Um, I was speaking to somebody that had worked at Google and he was saying to me, he's like, oh, you should look at, you know, jumping on AdSense. Like, why don't you jump on AdSense and just see, like, you could be at least paying for, like, your web hosting. And the reason why I didn't, like, I knew at some point I wanted to monetize from it. That was, like, really my goal for, the, like, the first year was to build it right up. And I was told by a lot of people not to make your website look like a billboard. So don't, like, put ads all over your site because people are going to click on those ads and they're going to leave your site. 
and they're probably some of them might not even come back. So I was really fixed on like building up the content, starting to get some traffic going, and then I would put some ads on my site. So yeah, ten months in, I jumped on uh, Google AdSense, and it's funny because I didn't expect to get a lot. I heard that you you can't make a lot and a lot um, unless you've got a lot of traffic. But I was making, let's say, around about $200 a month, $300 a month. And that definitely paid for my hosting. Um, it paid for my gas money, my petrol money um, to be able to get around and, and help me out with a little bit of rent like as the months went on. So for me, I was grateful for that. And then I think really the biggest day was really when I turned around and told my boss um, at the sales job that I was working at that, I can't be here anymore because it's costing me too much to work here. And that would have been probably around about just over two years in. Yeah. So how much were you earning at two years then? Was that obviously enough to pay your lifestyle bills? Yeah, it was a bit, yeah, it was a bit more. It was probably around about 65,000 a year. And that's when you quit. That's when I quit my job. Two years. That was that was when I quit my job when I was making like fifty five thousand a year at that job and I was making sixty five thousand online. So um, I wanted to really grow addicted to success. I wanted to put a lot more time into it. So that's when I made the decision. And when I did, it boosted even more because I was putting a lot more time into it, and um, the earnings went up even more. And I was able to focus on you know product creation and things like that as well. Speaking of which, what are your? How do you make money today? It's not just AdSense. You just said products. What else? Yeah, so um, obviously AdSense, then um, I, I wrote an ebook. Um, it's funny, actually. I was traveling around the world and I was actually in India for uh, six weeks. And I was staying at this beach house in Kerala, in Kanur, in India. And um, this coconut tree fell on our power line and wiped out the internet for like a week because the phone lines run along the power lines. They're like external because it's real backwards in our country over there. And um. Yeah, and it crashed the whole internet out. And I asked the company, I called them up and everything. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll come next week. Next week we'll come down to fix, you know. So I'm like waiting like a whole entire week for the internet to be on. And as you can imagine, like I would have been ripping my hair out because I was used to putting a post out like every day and I couldn't do anything. So that gave me time to actually sit there each and every day and and just start writing a book. And um, what I did was I decided to write an ebook. Uh, it's called The Formula, The Secret Ingredients of Online Success. And the book is basically, it's not so much like the secret ingredients, it's more so like my secret ingredients. So it's like what I did to be able to get to where I am today. And um, yeah, it's just kind of like the, it goes into, it's more so on the basic end where if you're just starting out, you want to know like how to set up your WordPress, like what are the right plugins to use. Um, like what you should be doing with your social media, like some little tips and tricks here and there, like a few little hacks, things that kind of um, that I made mistakes on in the past. Like I've, I've, I'm teaching people now to like avoid those things and to go around. So it's giving people the shortcuts to be able to grow their site quickly. So, um, so yeah, and and that's that does really well. You know, I get um get quite a few sales like every day. So that's, you know, 1995 for an ebook and that it trickles through some days. Like I might sell like three or four books. Some days it's like eight, you know, you never know. It kind of comes in and out and um, yeah, it puts, puts extra, extra money in the pocket. That's for sure. And I'm able to help people out too. Right. Yeah. It's nice to be a published author too, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So book AdSense, anything else? 
Um, here and there, I do. I pay. Uh, I charge for like consultation, um, and obviously like keynotes as well. When I get asked to to go and speak at certain events, so if I like really broke it all down, um, it all adds up. And this is the thing. Like some people, some people kind of look at certain things and go, "Oh, I don't know if it's really worth it." Like to do like an affiliate affiliate deal where like maybe you know you're referring people to a service or like software where they can get you know you get like five dollars commission every month imagine if you're signing a thousand people up to that and you're getting five thousand dollars every month is coming through like all those little things add up originally i used to just like try and just go for the big big things and if you do you're going to be waiting around for many years for those big opportunities so in the meantime, like if you're really trying to build your business up and you want money to invest back into it, into your website and to grow, I think it's a good idea to, to invest in like little, little things and, and put a few little things out there. You know, your audience, as long as you're bringing value to your audience, they're going to want to purchase in on things that you have like your affiliate staff and they'll buy your products if, if they know that you're putting good quality content out there and that, you know, if they're loyal to you as well. Mm-hmm. So it can all add up, that's for sure. You mentioned that you you have other people write for you as well now. I, I notice looking at your site, there's still a lot of Joel on it, but you also have other authors. How does how did that happen? Are they just volunteer writers who are wanting to share the same ideas? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of um, guest contributors now. So originally, I was writing probably around about eighty percent of the content, and I've really fallen back quite a lot. And I'm I'm involved a lot more in in the editing side of the articles. So I'll, I'll put my head together with like another guest contributor. Um, they might send in an idea and then we'll kind of bounce off each other and try and come up with like a good article together. Um, and I don't mind, you know, giving somebody that shine. It's crazy because I actually um, I've spoken to quite a few of my guest contributors where they might have contributed, say, like a few articles in the past. And um, one of them actually I was speaking to, he's a, uh, he's a motivational coach and he's a sports psychologist. And he's done a few like really good motivational uh, articles on my website. And I was speaking to him uh, a few weeks back and he said to me that because of those articles, he's actually been asked to, uh, to feature in like keynote um, speeches you know, at events and like he, he's decided to like write a book and he's been offered for like consultations and things like that as well and he's, he was so happy and so grateful for it and it was really cool to hear that. Like, I started to reach out to quite a few other guest contributors and found out that a lot of them, um, you know, had boosted product sales or they had like thousands and thousands of more visitors to their website because they had done articles on my site. And um, you know, quite a few people have been able to get some other like gigs as well and and um, joint ventures with other companies because of it. So um, yeah, it's it's just great to know that that you're able to help people like that and that they also have a platform where they can get some some awesome exposure and I'm happy to share that with people. Yeah, it is great once you have that platform because like you said, you can help your writers and you know they're willing to do it because they get exposure, which is nice. Now, looking at your site, Joe, one of the things I I personally think from from my background with blogging that that's helping, like how it has helped you reach the point where you have, is your headline writing for your, your blog posts because... <laughs> especially given your subject matter, I, I really think social media and that viral distribution of content is what drives a lot of traffic. And, and really in the last year, this has exploded with all these kind of upworthy style sites. And, and I think Facebook has changed their algorithm so that you see more of that type of content too. Uh, the headline is what drives it, like the, the actual 
catchy phrase, you know, like you've got right now, 10 reasons why most people are major failures. I think I see that sort of headline on Facebook all the time at the moment. Are you writing the headlines yourself or how does that work? And how do you get good at it if you are? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, what do I do is I have a kind of process. So I think naturally I'm, I've been known to be like creative, I'm quite creative with things. I love art. I love visual things. I really get into like choosing the right pitches that match up. I like quality and things like that. So I'm, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist sometimes, like I'm a bit picky. So what I do is it sounds, it might sound a little bit intense, but, but it's worked. It's worked for me. And I, I teach a lot of other people to do this is where, you know, you sit down and come up with 10, 15 or 20 different titles for that article and like just come, just write down whatever comes to mind and branch off it and brainstorm a little bit. And you know what? It might take you maybe like 15 minutes to write them out, but that 15 minutes can make a massive difference to the reach of that article simply because like you said, you know, an article makes a difference. An article and a quality picture can, can take an article very, very far, especially in the social media world. So for me, I'll sit down and I'll write like 10 or 15 versions of the title and then I'll pick the top two. And what I do sometimes, if I feel like it's necessary, I'll split test on Twitter. So I'll put one article up and see how many retweets it gets. And then maybe like an hour later, I'll put up the article again, but I'll put it in a, uh, like the, the different uh, version of the title to see if that does any better. And sometimes, man, you, like the, the first title that you write might not be the winner. It could be like the 10th or the 12th one. And sometimes the one that you think is really good out of the top two that you've chosen can just bomb. Like you put it up and it'll get like five retweets at, in like peak time. Or then you put the other one up just like an hour later and it can get like 30 retweets. So that's how I kind of gauge like what, what is a good um, title. Sometimes you kind of just know uh, if you haven't got any other really good title names and you know one really, really stands out, then you just kind of go with that. You, you learn over time like what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like what can go viral, you just can't – you can't 100% know what's going to be viral. You can maybe get 80% there, but you, you're not going to know for sure if that's going to be a viral uh, article. You just got to keep producing good content. Now, you had these uh, million-dollar offers. Can you sort of – explain how they came about. And I'm assuming this has been in the last recent years because you're in your third year now and you've, you know, you've reached this point where you've, you've got over 150,000 Facebook uh, followers, likers, you're making a hundred grand a year. So you, I could see why you're getting a lot more attention now. So did these guys just sort of send you an email? Hey, we'd like to talk about buying you. Is that kind of what happened? Yeah. Yeah. So the way it worked is, um, the first time I was ever approached, uh, I would have been probably two years in. So this was my second year and I was approached by a company. They're like a web broker company and somebody had contacted them and wanted them to contact me and negotiate. Um, cause you, you know, you get that sometimes where someone wants to buy the website, but they don't want to negotiate with you cause they don't know like how to evaluate it or, um, or like the questions to ask, they'll go through a web broker company. And I had this web broker company that came to me and we, we broke down, um, you know, the, the earnings and um, basically like what goes into the day-to-day work on my website and what the reach is like and how long it's been around. And they looked at the Alexa rankings. I look at all sorts of things. Um, and then what they did was they came back to me with an offer of $250,000. And maybe if I was like a week into building my website, I would have said okay, <laughs> but, um, but for me, two hundred fifty thousand dollars, like, f- f- 
for the impact that my website actually has. And like the same with you, man. If somebody came to you and offered you that amount, you know deep in your heart, you're like, nah, man, I know my website is worth a lot more than that. So I declined the offer. Um, and then it's funny because it was kind of like it's kind of like a climb. So it was like 250. And then I had this random company contact me. And at first I was really skeptical of them. And um I thought like, who are these guys that offer me? They'll offer me like around about $600,000 for my site. And I was just kind of like toying with the idea of like, okay, well, let's see if they can go any higher. Just out of interest, I just wanted to see what if they could value it at any higher. Just I wasn't interested in selling, but I just wanted to see. It's probably a bit of a prick like that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, they, uh, yeah, they, they got back to me and they're like, no, 600000 is the only offer. I had a look into them. They were a legitimate company or they are a legitimate company. Uh, but 600000 isn't something I'm interested in. And, um, and then I think maybe the word got out. I think I got like an interview. Somebody asked me and I told them about 600000 that I was offered and then somebody heard about it. Then it got out and somebody came in and offered me a million. Kind of closer to the end of the year, I had another company that came in that obviously didn't know about the offers that I had and offered me 250000 again. Um, different company, different offer with 250000 and obviously I declined that. And um, yeah, then I got offered a million by another company as well. Um, someone that came in that actually like sells websites and, and had um, a lot of VCs, uh, like in contact with a lot of VCs, you know, venture capitalists and that, um, mm-hmm. that are interested in buying, you know, software and websites and that. And they offered me a million um, and obviously I declined that. What's your plan then? You're obviously, you know, they're not hitting the number and you obviously have different ideas. What what would you like to see happen to Addicted to Success? Yeah, so I have a, I have a pretty big vision for Addicted to Success. Um, for the future, especially, I'm, I'm looking at um, getting into the event space. You know, I have a lot of contacts and a lot of entrepreneurs that I'm in touch with and um, a lot of life coaches and people like that. So I want to really look at putting out Addicted to Success events um, in the future. You know, Sydney, Melbourne, uh, LA, New York, London, you know, around the world, I really bring, uh, bring some events together. I've, I've got the platform to reach millions of people. So promoting it isn't really a big deal. Um, we can definitely do that. And, um, it's something that we're looking at doing probably going to be around the start of 2015. So, um, so that's, uh, something that I'm looking forward to. And, um, yeah, just, just looking, maybe even possibly looking into the space of, um, offering like uh, services and signing coaches and um, maybe publishing as well. So we'll see. But that's just like something that we're toying with, the idea that we're toying with at the moment. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of ventures that are coming up. I'm working on something at the moment as well uh, with Mind Valley and Vision uh, Lakiani. So that's, um, that's something that's, that's uh, pretty big. Yeah, they're a great company too. I like what they're doing at Mind Valley. All right, Joel. Um, let's look at wrapping it up. I think you know we've kind of got an overview of of what you've done with addicted to success. I kind of like to just leave this interview with some advice for the listeners who you know they look at a site like yours and they they might have started a blog themselves and they feel like they're putting out a lot of good content and you know putting in the kind of work that you did during your early days but they're just not getting any traction they're not getting followers on twitter or facebook and they're not getting a lot of viral distribution of their content you know they're they're having trouble getting to 300 visitors a day let alone that 2000 10000 and then now millions of people a month what what do you say to them is there like i know a lot of people i interview will say just keep doing it and it'll something will happen but 
that's often not a good enough answer. And sometimes it's a bad answer because maybe they're never going to get where they're going with what they currently have. It's the wrong you know, industry or the wrong subject or something. What's your advice to that person who's, who's frustrated, especially when they see something like what you've done, and they go, well, I was doing that, but why didn't my take off? What do you, what do you say to that? Yeah, look, a lot, of, uh, a lot of this is marketing. So, I mean, you can create good content and focus. Yes, you have to focus on quality content, but you also have to get it out there. You know, you need it, need it to be in the right, you need it to be in the social media channels and it needs to be really revolving around out there on the net. And there's ways to get it out there. I mean, you could really link up with other bloggers and, and guest blog on other posts. Um, you can even, like, like I did with, you know, Dwayne Johnson where I created like a picture quote with him and retweeted that. Like if you write an article about a celebrity and then get it out to them and see if they can like promote it in their social media channels, like really be resourceful. Because like Yara said, like it, you, can, you can really say like, oh, I just keep going. But no, nah, like if you just keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same results, right? So you need to really be resourceful and you really need to start thinking outside of the box and going like, what uh, high authority website can I write an article for? Or which like celebrity or somebody with big reach or somebody that has a lot of influence, who, how can I get something to them so that they can put it out to their people? Because that's really what's going to start to – um, move the eyeballs to your website, to your blog. So I think that's um, really been the biggest key thing for uh, for me and addicted to success is to is to really um, be more resourceful with with what you're doing and use everything that you have as leverage to get you to the next level where you need to go. Mm. Is is there any more just off the top of your head traffic techniques you've found that's worked in this marketing outreach process? Like like your top two or something like that obviously twitter has been great um and targeting celebrities has been great is there any other thing that stands out in your in your memory um really really quality content man really because i know that when i started to really focus on writing quality content other other people um started to share my content on their site and they would link back. So that's maybe that's the thing, right? So jumping on Google and like Google searching a title of one of your articles and just seeing if somebody else has like put that out and then contacting them if they haven't put a link back to that article and asking them to link back to your website or link back to that article so you can boost your SEO because I got to a point where my SEO organic traffic started to overtake my social media traffic and now like most of my traffic is is from Google search engines because I have put out, I focus on putting out a lot of quality content that a lot of people have um, been linking back to my articles and I get onto them now and then like sometimes if I see an article um, online that I know is mine that I originally wrote and I see they're not linking back to me, just like sending out a friendly email like, hey, thanks so much for sharing, you know, the article that was on my site. Um, as you'd understand, you know, like it, it's a respectful thing to, to link back and I would really appreciate it if you could do that for me and you know, and, and you're more than welcome to share a couple articles in the future as long as you can link back. You know, it's, there's no problem with asking that and it's really going to help you in the long run. All right, Joel. Uh, where besides addictedtosuccess.com, is there any other places you want to let us know about? Yeah, actually, um, you can head over to tribelearn.com. Uh, it's basically, it's a new platform where we're bringing a community of bloggers together that really want to start creating you know a, a next level blog 
or taking their blog to the next level. So um, definitely head over to tribelearn.com and, uh, and check it out. And that's, uh, that's a joint venture that I've just uh, joined forces basically with, uh, with Mindvalley. So um, yeah. Awesome. Tribe Learn and Addicted to Success for everything to do with Joel Brown. And uh, I look forward to seeing where, where you go with Addicted to Success. It sounds like you're reaching a lot of people and you can reach a lot more and you're not entirely sure where it will eventually reach in terms of events or you know more um, publishing and so forth. So I'm curious to see where it all goes. But good to, good to see another Australian doing well, man. So uh, congrats on your results so far and yeah, good luck. Thank you, Yaro. Yep, and let's get you up on Addicted to Success as well. Yeah, I would love to, man. And helping each other out, man. Appreciate it. All right, well, thanks for uh, answering my questions and, and good luck in the future. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. This has been the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Uh, my name is Yarrow, and thanks for listening. Catch you soon. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Joel. To make sure you don't miss out on any of my podcasts or if you want to go back through my previous episodes, make sure you subscribe. You can do so at iTunes or using whatever podcast or MP3 playing tool you currently use. If you are an iTunes user, I'd really appreciate if you left me a review. Uh, Five stars would obviously be gratefully appreciated and if you could write a few notes about why you enjoy my show and that would help me to reach new people with this podcast. You can also head to my blog, which is entrepreneurs-journey.com, where you can join any of my newsletters, download my free reports, and also get the show notes and the transcript to go along with this episode, as well as all my previous podcast episodes. Everything's available for download there as well. The best way to find me in all those resources is to remember my name, which is Yarrow, Y-A-R-O, and that will take you to all my sites. Just do a Google search and there I'll be. Thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.